Hi, Dave Emmer here. This is For the Record Program number 1252, Pandemics Incorporated Part 2. This is being recorded on July 1st of the year 2022. Uh, before we get into the main body of the program, several considerations. Uh, as I've said so often, there is so much going on. There is far too much going on for, <coughs> excuse me, me to even begin to cover in a one-hour weekly broadcast. So uh, please keep up with the comments that are put uh, on the front, on the website, Spitfire List, Bobcom, by our brilliant contributing editor, Perifractal, and often by other intelligent and scholarly listeners as well. Uh, the link that will enable you to subscribe to those is no longer operative. I will um, at... Uh, when I'm in a position to do so, we'll find out what to do about that. But again, in order to flesh out your understanding of what is going on, please keep up with the comments that are available on the SpitfireList.com website, again, mostly by Terrafractal. For those of you for whom podcasts are the optimum way to listen to For the Record and uh, in the media environment in which we exist in the year of our Lord 2022, that is increasingly the case. Sister station WFMU, William Fred Mary Union, is podcasting for the record as well as archiving the shows on uh, MP3 files and also putting links to the written descriptions at the SpitfireList.com website. So again, if podcasts are the best way for you to consume the program, WFMU is making those available. And there is a link that you can use at the top of each For the Record written description and at the top of each Food for Thought post on the SpitfireList.com website. Uh, as I've said, I am extremely pessimistic about our chances of surviving as a species and as a civilization, and it may seem, you know, corny, asinine, vain, what have you, uh, but I can't encourage people strongly enough to get the 32 gigabyte flash drive containing basically everything on the SpitfireList.com website, all of my life's printed and recorded work, plus the work by Perifractal and other intelligent commenters, and also a mini-library of old anti-fascist books on easy-to-download PDF files. That 32-gigabyte flash drive, again, with four, almost almost 44 years of work on it, is available for a very modest, tax-deductible contribution, and I get no money whatsoever from that. And... In addition, I've begun a Patreon site, which now, now that we've uh, sort of finalized uh, what we're going to be doing, uh, it has three one-hour, often longer-than-one-hour talks in a more informal format than the For the Record programs, plus uh, unedited written transcripts from the programs that will be done, that those will be proceeding from this point in time. And I'm also going to be writing, I will begin writing, Articles. Uh, this will not be like the written for the record descriptions, but will be more in a more conventional 
expository writing format. And all of those are on the Patreon website. There is a link, again, at the top of each for the record written description and at the top of each written food for thought post. And those three one-hour talks a week, again, in the more informal uh, basis or in the more informal format than uh, the admittedly pedantic for the record programs, plus unedited transcripts of each talk uh, provided by software and written articles by yours truly uh, are available on the Patreon site. Now, to the program at hand, this is the second broadcast in a series called Pandemics Incorporated, and that really is sadly and terrifyingly, uh, what we're talking about here, uh, reviewing very quickly what we looked at in our last program. Uh, Metabiota, a data-driven and uh, big-tech-derived company that is a defense contractor. It is linked with EcoHealth Alliance. It was involved with the programs that were performing game-of-function manipulations on bat-borne coronaviruses at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Uh, they also apparently were involved with some of the Pentagon-financed biolabs in Ukraine. And the that Metabiotic firm, again, whose presence in Ukraine was expedited by Hunter Biden, they have partnered with Munich Reinsurance Corporation, the largest reinsurance corporation in the world, and uh, financing uh, sort of uh, financial greasing of the wheels was provided by Incutel, the venture capital arm of the CIA and the U.S. intelligence community. That is in and of itself a, a frightening combination of entities. Uh, what they are basically doing in this case is providing insurance for pandemics. This is very interesting because uh, at the same time that Metabiota was partnered with EcoHelp Alliance in their game-of-function manipulations of bat-borne coronaviruses at WIV and also in the U.S., uh, in roughly two years before the pandemic began, they were running scenarios about what would happen if a novel coronavirus caused a global pandemic. Uh, they partnered again with uh, InQtel and Munich Reinsurance to offer a pandemic insurance, but that was not a big seller simply because pandemics were viewed as a once-in-a-hundred-year event. After the coronavirus pandemic, after COVID-19, then the interest picked up enormously, and uh, Munich Reinsurance was concerned about a profit-making business model because uh, whereas most events against which uh, insurance is taken out do not happen all over the world at the same time, that is not the case with a pandemic. So that uh, with pandemic insurance, people holding up policies would get payouts from Munich reinsurance all at the same time. Uh, there would, that would not be a moneymaker. So what uh, Munich Re is doing apparently is selling tranches, basically selling off uh, portions of the business to takers. And one of the apparently big takers is pension funds. Pension funds uh, are 
inversely profitable to the lifespans of the pensioners uh, whose funds they handle. If the pensioners live a long time after retirement, that is not profitable for the pension funds. If, on the other hand, the, the pensioners do not live a long time after retirement, then that is profitable for the pension funds. So uh, they have, I guess, in the most vested, <laughs> in, in, in the truest sense of the word, a vested interest in what pandemics do, among other things, they kill off old folks. Uh, SARS-CoV, uh, COVID-19, I should say, had uh, killed roughly one in every 100 Americans aged 65 and over. As of the beginning of this year, it's more than that now. Another thing we spoke about uh, in our last program, and that concerned the fear factor. Uh, one of the things that is assessed vis-a-vis both the pandemic reinsurance, the pandemic insurance policies, and also something that the data-driven metabiota specializes in is their fear factor, uh, how scared people are of a particular disease. In early 2020, at the very beginning of the year, they were not particularly, that is to say, people were not very afraid of monkeypox. That is a relative of smallpox, although less deadly. It is a an African monkey virus uh, that has become zoonotic. Some people are now catching it, and uh, it has a, a curious resonance with the beginning of the AIDS epidemic in the U.S. Uh, at this point in time, even though the case numbers are low, uh, gay men with multiple sex partners are seen as at highest risk. And I would note that as this phenomenon began to build in terms of fear factor in the last several weeks, it also coincided, perhaps coincidentally, perhaps not, with Pride Month. So uh, keep an eye on monkeypox. Now it is being uh, bandied about in some quarters as the next pandemic, and hundreds of thousands of vaccine doses are being ready to combat the monkeypox uh, pandemic to be. Who knows? And again, for the record program 1115, we spoke about, uh, we recapped some of our discussion of AIDS and the very disturbing indication that AIDS is a BW weapon. Uh, by the way, there is uh, a common disinformation uh, theme now going around that that was all generated by the former Soviet Union. There were a couple of East German researchers, the Seagulls, who talked about that. But the material in uh, the long, voluminous archives that we have is almost exclusively from Western sources. So what we're going to do in this program is to read into the record a long article from Wired Magazine. This is from Wired Magazine from June 16th of 2020. It is by Evan Ratliff, R-A-P-L-I-F-F. It is titled, We Can Protect the Economy from Pandemics. Why didn't we? And uh, by the way, in addition to companies, also uh, states, meaning countries and municipalities, as well as sporting events and other forms of uh, popular entertainment are considering pandemic insurance, because obviously if there's another pandemic, they lose as a result. 
And bear in mind as you hear this, uh, bear in mind the information about Metabiapa, its status as a defense contractor, its close relationship with the EcoHealth Alliance financed by USAID, a State Department subsidiary that often fronts uh, for CIA, and its main, that is to say Metabio, EcoHealth Alliance's main uh, financier is the Pentagon and the Defense Threat Reduction Agency. We'll resume that in uh, another uh, program. But again, we're going to read this long Wired Magazine article into the record, or most of it, and then we will proceed from there. So again, from Wired Magazine, this right in the middle of the first part of the lockdown, June 16th, 2020, we can protect the economy from pandemics. Why didn't we? By Evan Ratliff. Bear in mind that Metabiapa was partnered with EcoHealth Alliance and that their relationship here, their business relationship, both with uh, Munich Reinsurance and also with the insurance, American insurance broker Marsh, M-A-R-S-H, just like the swamp, uh, that was uh, financed or the financial wheels were greased by Incutel, the venture capital arm of CIA and the intelligence community. This article reads as follows. Quote, It's really a hundred-year thing, Nathan Wolf said. It was 2006, and Wolf, then a 36-year-old virologist with an unruly nest of curly hair, was sitting across a table from me at a bustling restaurant in Yaoundé, the capital of Cameroon. An epidemiology professor at UCLA, he had been living in West Africa for six years, establishing a research center to identify and study viruses as they crossed over from animals into humans. By the way, parenthetically, that is what is known as zoonosis, a disease that begins with animals and crosses into humans. Continuing. That night, Wolf told me he was forming a network of research outposts around the globe in hot spots where potentially devastating viruses were poised to make the jump. Cameroon, where HIV likely passed from chimpanzees into local hunters, the Democratic Republic of Congo, which had seen human outbreaks of monkeypox, Malaysia, home to a 1998 emergence of the Nipa virus, and China, where SARS-CoV had crossed over likely from bats in 2002. Wolf's hope was that by understanding what he called the, quote, viral chatter, unquote, of such places, it would be possible not only to react more quickly to outbreaks, but to forecast their arrival and stop them before they spread. The 100-year thing, unquote, he was talking about was a global pandemic and how history would judge humanity's efforts to prepare for it. His biggest fear, he said, was a virus unknown to human immune defenses starting a human-to-human transmission chain that would encircle the globe. Uh, parenthetically, do not lose sight of the fact that at the very time this was being pondered, uh, or really in the next decade, Metabiota was partnering with a firm that was basically uh, producing just the kinds of viruses it foresaw as producing a global pandemic, namely, namely novel coronaviruses. Continuing. As we knocked back Cameroonian beers and talked between sets of a local band, he admitted his project could fail, quote, 
It could be that we look at this and it's stochastic. You can't predict it, he said. Or it could be that we are on the edge of a paradigm shift, unquote. The ultimate question, Wolf added, was, quote, will people look back and say you did a good job responding to epidemics, but you didn't do anything to prevent them, unquote. The 100-year notion so captivated me that I used it as the last line of a story I wrote in 2007 in this magazine. Thirteen years later, as the SARS-CoV-2 virus burned across the globe this March, it appeared that the 100-year judgment had arrived. And bear in mind that uh, Methyl Biaba was hooked up with a company that was uh, or an, an institution that was uh, basically uh, funding and uh, precipitating the manipulation and uh, basically uh, game-of-function uh, mutations on just such viruses. And as we have seen and will continue to see, Metabiota is also partnering with Munich Reinsurance that is in a position to profit enormously from such a pandemic. Uh, skipping down, uh, after talking about how he started a company called Metabiota, bear in mind that the funders of Metabiota also were financing a commission to study the origins of the coronavirus that was headed by Philip Zellico, who also headed up a very, uh, in, in the opinion of many, biased 911 commission, uh, so selected in its omissions that it might be termed the omission commission, and that that very same Philip Zellico had written a paper, or rather he had helped to implement a policy in 2002 that put into effect the defense recommendations that were contained in the Project for a New American Century's Rebuilding America's Defenses paper. One of the things they recommended there was uh, discussing how genetically engineered biological organisms uh, and biological warfare could become a, quote, politically useful tool. Returning to the Wired magazine article, speaking of Wolf, his new preoccupation, he told me, was pandemic insurance. I'll confess, this didn't immediately pique my interest. The word insurance invokes in me feelings of tedium and loathing. Like many Americans, my personal interface with the industry has, let's just say, been less than positive. But then Wolf began to explain the unexpected direction his career had taken. After years of thinking about pandemics in terms of the symptomatic and the dead, he'd begun considering their economic ramifications. A global pandemic and the steps we would stop, beginning a global pandemic and the steps we would take to stop it would mean business closings. Ah, boy, one more time, take three. A global pandemic and the steps we would take to stop it would mean business closings, layoffs, and mass unemployment. Preparing to face an outbreak, you'd come to believe required anticipating those impacts. This was where insurance came in, specifically a kind of pandemic insurance policy for businesses and perhaps even for countries that would pay out as soon as an epidemic reached a certain threshold. In 2015, Metabiata had partnered with German reinsurance giant Munich Reinsurance and American insurance brokerage Marsh to develop 
and sell a policy specifically to guard large businesses against pandemics, to stamp the financial losses, and keep them afloat. They launched it in mid-2018, a year and a half before the first COVID-19 cases appeared in China, and by the way, I would note uh, a little bit after uh, Mavabab had run scenarios about what would happen if there was a global pandemic caused by the appearance of a novel coronavirus, this at the same time as they are partnered with EcoHealth Alliance, that is basically helping to create just exactly such a thing at the WIV and also in the U.S. at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Never lose sight of that, uh, quote, coincidence, unquote. Continuing. My sense of tedium evaporated. As Wolf and I were talking, a total economic lockdown was in place, with millions of jobs disappearing by the week and lines at food pantries stretching by the hour. And here he was, saying that they had come up with a kind of financial vaccine for exactly this scenario, released not long before the worst pandemic in a century. It wouldn't stop the virus, of course, but it could alleviate some of the misery that flowed from it. And parenthetically, it could make a lot of money, too. Continuing. How must those CEOs feel, I wonder aloud, who had the foresight to buy the world's first pandemic business insurance? What a story they would have to tell. There was just one problem. By and large, we failed, Wolf said. Not because we didn't do the models well, we enabled the first business disruption insurance for pandemics. But nobody bought it, unquote. As far as I know, nobody bought the policy, he said. It was a life insurance quandary that first got Gunther Kraut, and I'm not joking here, this is the guy's name. It was a life insurance quandary that first got Gunther Kraut thinking about pandemics nearly a decade ago. A, mathemat- a mathematician by training, Kraut was working at Munich Re, one of the world's largest reinsurers. As it sounds, reinsurance is the business of insuring insurers. The local and national insurance companies that you and I buy life or auto coverage from, the Geico's and all states of the world, need their own protection against rare but catastrophic events that might create enough claims to bankrupt them. Reinsurance companies provide that backstop on insurance for everything from homes and infrastructure projects to business losses and individual lives. Reinsurance is a staggeringly lucrative endeavor. Munich Reinsurance had $56 billion in revenue and $3 billion in profit last year. The market is large enough that its perennial competitor Swiss Reinsurance took in $49 billion itself. Kraut Sandy-haired and still slightly boyish looking at 39, grew up near Munich where the eponymous company had dominated the economic landscape since its founding in 1880. He talks about the intricacies of underwriting with a friendly patience that implies he has done so countless of times before, none of which had been his passion. He gravitated toward math at university, and he told me, quote, 
It is hard to study mathematics in Munich without ever learning about the existence of reinsurance companies. After completing his Ph.D. in risk management and insurance at Ludwig Maximilians University, he took a job as a quantitative analyst in Munich Re's life insurance division in 2007. Munich Re, a company built to absorb the risk of others, had a risk problem of its own, namely the possibility of a global pandemic. Insurance is essentially the business of quantifying risk and then smoothing it out. But for a worldwide outbreak, the math in its life insurance portfolio looked worrying even to Kraut and his colleagues who spent their careers pondering the darkest risks. In 2011, Kraut's team decided to try to do something about it. Skipping down. Now, consider an auto insurer in Paris with the same problem. Actually, let me read the previous paragraph. It might help uh, understand uh, the difference in pandemic insurance from other forms of insurance. Quote, let's take the example of Munich and car insurance, Kraut told me. There's a, that's a very, very stable business. A local company might insure tens of thousands of cars, each with a certain probability of having a small accident. Quote, You can predict very well how much money you will have to pay on the claim settlements, and hence how much premium you will need to collect, he said. But let's say that one year there is a freakishly large hailstorm in Bavaria, damaging half the cars in the portfolio. The resulting claims could be an extinction-level event for an insurance company. Such storms may occur statistically only once every three decades, a one-in-30-year event in risk parlance, but every car insurance company would have to keep enough cash on hand to pay out on claims on half its cars just in case. That's a lot of money you need to put aside for something that happens very rarely, Kraut said. Now, consider an auto insurer in Paris with the same problem. A fleet of cars, a predictable number of accidents, the threat of a one-in-30-year hailstorm event. Herein lies the mathematical advantage of reinsurance. If Munich re-pledges to cover both companies against freakish hailstorms, quote, what we can assume with a high chance is that there will be hailstorms in Paris, there will be hailstorms in Munich, but most likely they will not happen in the same year, Kraut said. That means Munich Re can set aside less money to prepare for a rare event. Even better, the more car insurers that Munich Re adds to its portfolio in more geographical regions, the more it can convert a rare and expensive risk into a predictable and cheaper one for itself. In insurance, it's called diversification. Quote, the more that you can spread the risk, the better for making it insurable, Kraut said. That's why reinsurance companies are global companies, unquote. The math applies to other insurance perils as they're known, earthquakes, floods, wildfires, ordinary deaths as well most of the time. But therein lay the problem for Kraut, who was partly responsible for making sure the company's life insurance division didn't shoulder unsustainable risks. 
Local disease outbreaks were like the hailstorms of life insurance. Rare and devastating regional events that could be counted on to happen at different times in different locales. Quote, now you quickly see the problem with insuring pandemic risk because a pandemic is by definition a global event, Kraut said. Imagine a hailstorm spreading from town to town across the globe in a cataclysmic chain. Quote, the whole concept of global diversification does not work out anymore, unquote. An outbreak on the scale of the 1918 flu, 50 million dead worldwide, might be a 1 in 500 year risk, an event way out on the tail of a probability curve. But the pandemic at that scale, or even one considerably smaller, could not only overwhelm life insurance companies, but Munich reinsurance as well. To tackle Munich Re's exposure, Kraut's team began attempting to quantify and price this incredibly remote, unpredictable risk. If they managed to do that, they would then need to sell part of that risk to find someone willing to insure the reinsurer. Bear in mind as you read this that in 1997, scientists at the U.S. Army Medical Research Institute of Infectious Diseases at Fort Dietrich had recovered the genome of the 1918 flu, which had been reconstructed in its entirety by 2005, the year before the first interview this author, Evan Ratliff, made with Nathan Wolf, the founder of Metabiopa. My forecast back in For the Record 55 in 1997 that we might very well see a biological warfare-driven pandemic, and gee whiz, that did happen some years later. Skipping down and continuing. No one, no one really had tried to do a transaction at a 1 in 500 year return period, Kraut said. His boss gave it a 50-50 chance of success. But over the year, over, but over the course of two years, the group gradually built up a list of potential buyers. It turned out that there were a few large institutional investors looking to diversify their own portfolios, and a little bit of pandemic risk was just the thing. Munich Re would provide them with annual payments year after year. In the rare event of a pandemic, they would have to cover Munich Re's losses. One interested class of investor, if a macabre one, was pension funds, which typically grapple with something called longevity risk, the chance that people will live longer than expected. It's not really good terminology to call it a risk, Kraut said. It's a good thing, technically. But if people live a lot longer than expected then the pension fund needs to pay out a lot more pensions than they originally calculated, unquote. A deadly pandemic that takes the lives of pensioners, to put it in the most clinical terms, means fewer years of pension payouts, canceling some of the longevity risk. Should no pandemic arise, they would pocket payments for Munich reinsurance. By 2013, Kraut and his team had put together enough investors, starting with a large Australian pension fund, to take some of the pandemic problem off of Munich Re's books. But he soon encountered an unexpected hitch. The mechanisms written to trigger the deal relied on a series of pandemic phases, unquote, monitored by World Health Organization. 
Phase 1, virus is circulating in animals. Phase 2, reports of human infection. Phase 3, human-to-human transmission. And so on up to Phase 6, sustained multiple outbreaks in multiple regions. Sometime in 2013, however, the WHO abandoned this system for a less specific four phases. Kraut suddenly needed some other organization to delineate the stages of epidemics reliably enough to write into an insurance policy. And he needed someone to monitor epidemics closely to know when they hit agreed-upon triggers, illnesses, deaths, and spread. Quote, but you can't just hire the World Health Organization, he said. In studying up on the world of epidemiology, Kraut happened to have picked up a book called The Viral Storm. It was written by Nathan Wolf. Part memoir, part prescription, the book laid out a vision for how to counter the threat that novel viruses represent to humans. Kraut looked up Wolf and saw that he'd formed a company. Quote, I thought, oh, Maybe these guys actually can do it, he said. He sent an email to info at metabiopa.com. Quote, Hello, have you ever heard of a reinsurance company? I might have a good reason to talk to you, unquote. As it happened, Wolf was already thinking about the business shock of pandemics when Kraut's email arrived in Metabiopa's inbox in 2013. By this time, Wolf's public profile as an Indiana Jones-like virus hunter had been well established. He'd been featured on CNN and had given the obligatory TEB talks. He walked away from his tenured position at UCLA, moved to San Francisco, and founded Metabiapa. Wolf leveraged his academic work into the private sector using the data from his network of research stations to conduct disease surveillance for clients. For years, the company subsisted largely on government contracts, including more than $20 million from the Department of Defense and aid agencies involved in managing epidemic outbreaks. Metabiapa also partnered with the foreign assistance agency USAID on a project called PREDICT, helping to build a database catapulting viruses in their animal reservoirs and forecasting which ones might jump to humans. Quote, there was some success, Wolf told me. Again, quoting, some money was put into prediction and prevention. Not enough, obviously, again, repeating a section of this. For years, Metabiata subsisted largely on government contracts, including more than $20 million from the Department of Defense, and aid agencies involved in managing epidemic outbreaks. Metabiapa also partnered with the Foreign Assistance Agency USAID, so State Department subsidiary that often serves as a cover for CIA, on a project called PREDICT, helping to build a database catapulting viruses in their animal reservoirs and forecasting which ones might jump to humans. There was some success. Wolf told me, some money was put into prediction and prevention, not enough, obviously, unquote. And uh, sitting, skipping down, in 2010, he sat on a panel at Davos called, Prepare for a Pandemic, unquote. 
In advance of the talk, the organizers circulated a survey showing that while 60% of CEOs believed that the threat of a global outbreak was real, only 20% had an emergency plan in place. That same year, he'd been invited to a cruise industry conference. He tried without luck to convince executives that Metabiopa could help them avoid the havoc of an epidemic. I felt like nobody was paying attention to it, unquote, he said. Then Gunther Kraut's email arrived. Kraut and Wolf met up at the conference in Munich and began riffing. Soon, Metabiopa was providing disease monitoring for Munich Re's life insurance division. Kraut, however, had an even more ambitious idea in mind. What if, instead of simply hedging its own life insurance business in the case of a pandemic, Munich Re could use the same concept to insure other businesses against them? Business interruption insurance, the policies that protect companies against income losses from disasters like fires or hurricanes, often explicitly excluded disease. And when it didn't, insurers could still use the ambiguity to deny claims. The risk was thought to be too large, too unpredictable to quantify. But Munich Reinsurance had already proved it could cover its own life insurance risk in pandemics, and now it had a partner in Metabiata that specialized in seemingly unpredictable outbreaks. What if they could create and sell a business interruption insurance policy that covered epidemics, starting with acutely vulnerable industries like travel and hospitality. They could then pass on the payout risk from those policies to the same types of investors who had bought their life risk. Quote, there is a bit of financial alchemy to the whole thing, unquote, Wolf told me later. You really are creating something from nothing. At the same time, Wolf had been working to operate Metabiota more like a technology company. In 2015, he hired Mita Mabov, capital M-A-D-H-A-V, an epidemiologist who'd spent 10 years modeling catastrophes at a company called AIR Worldwide, one of a handful of firms the insurance industry relies on to compete, compute extreme risks. Munich Re had, in fact, worked with AIR epidemiological models in its life insurance calculations. Mabov's mandate at Metabiata was to build the industry's most comprehensive pandemic model. Her team, which eventually grew to include data scientists, epidemiologists, programmers, actuaries, and social scientists, began by painstakingly gathering historical data on thousands of major disease outbreaks dating back to the 1918 flu. Her colleagues had recently created what they called the Epidemic Preparedness Index, an assessment of 188 countries' capacity to respond to outbreaks. Together, the two efforts informed an infectious disease model and software platform. A user could begin with a set of parameters around the hypothetical virus, its geographic origin point, how easily it was transmitted, its virulence, and then run scenarios on exploring how the disease spread around the world. The goal was a model that could, for example, 
help a manufacturer understand how a disease might impact its supply chain or a drug company plan for a treatment that would, for a treatment, beginning again, the goal was a model that could, for example, help a manufacturer understand how a disease might impact its supply chain or a drug company plan for how a treatment would need to be distributed. As sophisticated as metabiotis system was, however, it would need to be even more refined to incorporate into an insurance policy. The model would need to capture something much more difficult to quantify than historical deaths and medical stockpiles. Fear. One more time, because this is tremendous. This basically uh, is discussing fear as a market factor, as something that basically has a payout. As sophisticated as Metabiotis system was, however, it would need to be even more refined to incorporate into an insurance policy. The model would need to capture something much more difficult to quantify than historical deaths and medical stockpiles. Fear. The economic consequences of the scourge the historical data showed were as much a result of a society's response as they were to the virus itself. The group started building what became known as the Sentiment Index. Ben Oppenheim, head of the product team and a political scientist, had studied the work of Paul Slovic, capital S-L-O-V-I-C, a University of Oregon psychology professor who studied how human beings perceive and and respond to risk. Inspired by Slovic's data-driven approach, they gathered their own information from around the world on how much various symptoms frightened people. To validate their measures, they also began tracking and studying how media coverage evolved around two different types of... Beginning again. To validate their measures, they also began tracking and studying how media coverage evolved around different types of outbreaks. Scarier diseases tended to generate more news stories. The sentiment index was built to be, as Oppenheim put it, a catalog of dread, unquote. For any given pathogen, it could spit out a score from 0 to 100 according to how frightening the public would find it. That number could then be used to help calculate the possible financial losses from an epidemic, everything from empty hotels to postponed mining projects. Madoff and her team, along with Wolf and Oppenheim, also researched the broader economic consequences of disease outbreaks measured in the, quote, cost per death prevented, unquote, incurred by societal interventions. Note the following, quote, again, this is in June of 2020. Measures that decreased person-to-person contact, including social distancing, quarantine, and school closures, had the greatest cost per death prevented, most likely because of the amount of economic disruption caused by those measures they wrote in a 2018 paper. Okay, more about that paper in a second. Again, 2018, a remarkable coincidence, isn't it? Decreased person-to-person contact, including social distancing, quarantine, and school closures, 
had the greatest amount of economic disruption. Continuing, by then, the sentiment index had been tested against Metabiotis database of historical pandemics, and Munich Reinsurance began incorporating it into a business interruption policy. Gunther Kraut's group was then operating as a standalone unit called Epidemic Risk Solutions with groups in Singapore, Munich, and London. The promise for both companies was enormous. Metabiata had raised $30 million via venture funding in 2015, partly on the idea that providing the technology behind pandemic coverage could be a growth business. One more time. Metabiata had raised $30 million via venture funding in 2015, partly based on the idea that providing the technology behind pandemic coverage could be a growth business. There was, after all, only so much a government agency might pay Metabiata for disease surveillance. The universe of large businesses that could suffer losses from a major pandemic, however, was nearly limitless. Munich Re had a chance to create an entirely new segment of the insurance market for a risk that existed in literally every part of the globe. Munich Re wasn't the only company looking for a bit of financial alchemy. The U.S. insurance firm Marsh had been grappling with the same question for its customers. Like Oppenheim at Metabiata, Christian Ryan had personal reasons to be struck by the financial consequences of the Zika Zika outbreak. My father was a hotelier down in Brazil, said Ryan, the head of Marsh's hospitality, sports, and gaming division. When the disease began spreading in 2016, his dad lost a significant amount of his business and eventually sold the hotel for a fraction of the price he could have once gotten. It just showed how fragile hospitality was because it is predicated on people continuing to show up and feel safe and feel secure. Ryan and his colleagues went looking for someone who might have modeled out the risk and like Munich Reinsurance, they ended up on Metabiata's doorstep. Soon, Marsh had formed a three-way partnership with Wolf's company and Munich Reinsurance. Marsh would sell the insurance under the name Pathogen Rx, not mentioned in anywhere in this article, is the fact that Incutel, the CIA and intelligence community's venture capital arm, is also very much in the mix here. Skipping down. But selling... Insurance first made persuading risk managers and chief risk officers the figures responsible for insurance coverage at large corporations that pandemics were a risk worth hedging. Then the risk managers would need to persuade their bosses, the CFOs and CEOs, to pony up for a new expense that wasn't going to help the company's quarterly bottom line. On December 31st, 2019, me and Mom had been in Portland, Oregon, attending a cousin's wedding. That summer, again 2019, after four years leading the infectious disease data science team, she had taken over as CEO of Metabiata. Now she was enjoying a holiday away from the stress of running a 60-plus employee company. Her extended family had traveled from around the U.S. and beyond to celebrate the wedding and count down the last moments of 2019 together. But that morning before the ceremony, 
Marva began getting texts from Oppenheim telling her about a cluster of unusual pneumonia-like infections in Wuhan, China. The company's early detection system, which included an algorithm for parsing and highlighting news stories about outbreaks, was flagging Wuhan as a potential hotspot. The team typically looked at hundreds of media reports a week and approached new ones cautiously. At the reception, Mobhob messaged with Oppenheim and wondered if it was respiratory, could the source be more like H7N9, the avian flu, a coronavirus like SARS-CoV? As the human economic devastation multiplied in tandem across the globe, Metabiotis employees suddenly found themselves living inside their own models' projections. Just two years earlier, that would, I think, be the same report uh, alluded to earlier, just two years earlier, the company had run a large set of scenarios forecasting the consequences of a novel coronavirus spreading across the globe. And they were talking about the uh, costly... Uh, uh, basically uh, prophylactic measures that society could take, the most costly being social distancing, school closures, etc. And note that at the same time, uh, Metabiot is not only uh, partnered with the CIA's venture capital firm, but it also is partnered with EcoHelp Alliance, getting funding from uh, USAID and the Pentagon, and doing game-of-function manipulations on coronaviruses at the WIV and in the U.S. One more time. Just two years earlier, the company had run a large set of scenarios forecasting the consequences of a novel coronavirus spreading around the globe. Quote, I guess part of what I'm struggling with emotionally is that it's almost like we had been attacked by a cliché, Oppenheim told me later. No one can predict the exact timing, the location, and dynamics, but the broad contours are a story that people have walked through specifically before. At the same time, Metabiata was watching the nightmare that its models had anticipated unfold. Gunther Kraut was in Singapore facing a different problem where Munich Re's Epidemic Solutions Division had been struggling to get traction with potential customers. Now, in early January, buyers were banging at the door. Skipping down. In a sense, Munich Re had dodged a bullet. Had the company succeeded at selling pandemic protection to corporate giants starting 19 months before, it would have collected almost no premiums and now be paying out on every single one. Kraut acknowledged as much, but offered that if insurers never pay out, quote, then you lose the reason of existence, unquote. On the afternoon of April 10th, as the worldwide death toll crossed 100,000, the data science and product teams gathered on a Zoom call to discuss a new COVID-19 scenario tool. The goal was to help an international aid agency concerned about the possible trajectories for developing countries. Metabiotis models are built for long-term understanding rather than real-time analysis, but as clients turned to them for information, they scrambled to adopt to adapt, excuse me. Skipping down. Nobody bought the policy. 
I couldn't stop thinking about what Wolf told me back when I reconnected with him in March. It wasn't quite nobody as it turned out. Kraut told me that one company in the healthcare industry in the U.S. had bought some level of pandemic protection, although the insurer that sold it had later quit selling the policies due to a lack of interest. For confidentiality reasons, Kraut wouldn't say who the end client was or whether it had received payment. There were some large corporate insurance policies that do cover disease-related losses, such as event cancellation coverage. Both Munich Re and Swiss Re announced that they potentially faced hundreds of millions of dollars in claims connected to suspension of the Olympics and other events. In April, news surfaced that the Wimbledon tennis tournament was set to collect $140 million from an insurance policy in which it had demanded a pandemic protection clause 17 years earlier after the Soros outbreak in 2003. And even as late as February, when the virus was already worldwide news, hedge fund manager Bill Ackman managed to find a taker on a $27 million investment bet that the virus could crash the stock market. It was essentially an insurance policy for his portfolio. When he cashed it into the tune of $2.6 billion, again, on a $27 million investment in March after going on TV and warning of the potential devastation the virus could cause, he felt the need to take the Twitter and defend himself against accusations of profiting off human misery. I'm skipping down again. Gunther Kraut and his group find themselves deluged with hundreds of requests for the business interruption policies on the next outbreak. Now their challenge is volume, taking a policy meant to be customized for each client and converting it into a commodity that can be sold to many of them at once. Without a doubt, insurance will factor into thinking about the economic consequences of pandemics going forward. Already, Several prominent U.S. restaurants have sued to try to force the insurers of their current business interruption policies to cover coronavirus losses. Where policies don't specifically exclude or include disease, insurers have just denied any COVID-related claims from small businesses, leaving them with no relief. Some in the insurance industry speculate that banks may now make business loans in some industries, like travel and hospitality, contingent on having epidemic insurance. Or governments may simply mandate such coverage. In any case, the demand for disease-based insurance may quickly outstrip even the reinsurers and other investors' ability to cover the policies. National governments may end up the ultimate pandemic reinsurers, stepping in to prop up the insurance market, as the U.S. did after 9-11 with the 2002 Terrorism Risk Insurance Act. By late May, there were already multiple proposals in Congress to do just that. Quote, I think it's very fair to think 9-11 is to terrorism as COVID-19 is to epidemic risk, Wolf said. Both Metabiata and Munich Re have explored the possibility that countries themselves, particularly in the developing world, could be insured against epidemics and pandemics. But one pandemic insurance-like product on the market, a $425 million pandemic bond set up by the World Bank in consultation with Munich Re and Swiss Re, has been heavily criticized for failing to pay out quickly enough. 
While the bond did eventually deliver the part that covered coronaviruses in April, the World Bank was accused of making the triggers needlessly complex and then dawdling while bodies were piling up. Even if and when pandemic insurance policies become widespread, they aren't the panacea for the kind of economic ruin we are currently living through. One only has to look to the 2008 mortgage crisis to see how financial alchemy can go wrong. There will be small businesses priced out of coverage, insurers who exploit every loophole to avoid claims, and corporate executives who enrich themselves and not their workers when they do receive payments. Yes, indeed. That is uh, very, very true indeed. Now, bear in mind with this, again, uh, the SARS, uh, the SARS, the COVID-19 pandemic came in the context of the whole series of covert operations against China and in the context also of a whole uh, cosmology of national security and commercial actions against China. And bear in mind, again, the Pentagon and USAID links of EcoHealth Alliance, their partnership with Pentagon and uh, with, with Mevabayaba, and the fact that you would that EcoHealth Alliance is financing the manipulation of these very kinds of novel coronaviruses that uh, appear to have been uh, basically caused uh, COVID-19. At the same time, that uh, Mevabayaba is saying, well, gee, what would happen in that 2018 paper? What would happen if a novel coronavirus spread around the world and caused things like uh, social distancing and school closures and food banks and things like that, um, a remarkable coincidence, that the very type of viruses that EcoHealth Alliance, their partner, was working on did just exactly that. The same remarkable coincidence was in Event 201 in October of 2019, talking about what would happen if a, a novel coronavirus-caused pandemic rent the fabric of every nation on Earth economically, politically, and uh, socially. Of course, that happened. And the current director of national intelligence, former Dep- uh, deputy CIA director under Obama-Biden, Evil Haynes, a consultant with Palantir during the Trump administration uh, was a key participant in that event and never lose sight of uh, one of the money spigots for this concatenation, and that is Imputel, again, the venture capital arm of CIA and other uh, intelligence agencies in this country. We will continue exploring this. We'll take a look at uh, Methabiatha's, uh, Dr. Nathan Wolf and some of his networking with the milieu of Jeffrey Epstein, and uh, we'll take a look at some of the history of Munich reinsurance. However, that is in programs to come. Uh, do explore the comments by Parafractal. Uh, do explore the Patreon site for additional information. This concludes Football Record Program number 1252, Pandemics Incorporated Part 2. This is being recorded on July 1st of the year 2022. I'm Dave Emery. Have fun.